All right. Well, God bless you, everybody. Uh, let's uh, take our Bibles and go to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. So this morning I'm going to talk about really two main points. One is a little bit about the time that we live in, and second, what we should do about it. Um, many years ago I started listening, uh, when I had to commute home from work, I had about a 40-minute commute, and uh, this was maybe like 15 years ago or something, and I started listening to uh, talk radio. Uh, uh, initially, you know, it was kind of interesting and refreshing to hear from people who shared some of the similar points of view. But as time went on, I found myself um, thinking a lot about politics and the injustices and all the things that were wrong in the world. And some of those things really started my blood boiling. Um, I started to feel angry and frustrated about many of the things going on in the world. And uh, suffice it to say that Listening to that radio it really robbed me of my peace and hope. And uh, I, I don't know that I quite recognized it right away, but then I, as I, as I, uh, one day I was just sitting there thinking about all that, and then I, I read Psalm 37. And in uh, verse 1, it says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. And I thought, well, that's exactly what I've been doing. I've been fretting about all the evil that's been going on. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Instead of doing all that, trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Um, so instead of instead of fretting about all these things that are going on, uh, and the wicked prospering, you know, getting away with things. Um, we're to just trust in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And he's going to take care of us. If you, The whole psalm is actually really worth considering in light of the interplay between the just, the righteous people of God, and the wicked that work in this world. Uh, in verse 32, so you can read it on your own, but let's just go to verse 32. It says, The wicked watches the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord. There it is again. Just wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you'll see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. You know, um, He's out big tree, like he's there, very present in the world. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yeah, I saw him but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors, transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help him, 
and deliver them. I'll help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. So this really is pretty much my whole teaching right there, you know, summed up. Like, uh, instead of focusing like I had been doing on all the stuff going on and, and the in-my-face information that I was looking at, I decided to put that away and instead trust in the Lord, wait on him. And instead of fretting about the evil, I started to put that aside and look to, look to God. And soon my peace returned. You know, all that frustration that I'd been feeling about what was going on in the world just left. And since that time, I've not paid much attention to the news, you know, but every now and then, either because the curiosity gets me or somebody brings something up, I'll start reading or looking at the news, doing it again. And then I remember this lesson, I stop myself because I feel some of those same things welling up inside me. Now, I understand why people want to know and find out what's going on, especially they want they don't want to be taken in by some of the stuff that's going on. But um, I find that looking to God, trusting in him, I believe that he's going to take care of me uh, more than any information that I can gather from the world. Uh, so the thing that I've noticed today is that uh, there's a lot of, since, you know, Pretty much I had stopped doing all this, and then all of a sudden COVID came along, and all this, the, uh, the climate that all of a sudden seemed to have changed. There's just so much information about the evil going on in the world. And um, these distractions, again, I call noise. They're just noise out and information out there. There's a lot of prophets of doom talking about the end of the world and uh, crying things about inflation, recession, World War Three, diseases, cold, you know, another Cold War, and on and on the list goes. These, um, just so much information out there coming out at us that you can you can completely get lo- lost in. And I I see born again ones, you know, I'm trying to have conversations about the word, and they bring up all these in, this information. Um, and there's nothing that cuts through all that, like the Word of God. And we should not be surprised. Look at Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Verse 3 says, Grace be to you, and peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what comes from God. And they extend grace and peace to us, God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who, Jesus Christ, gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. In verse 4, it says, He gave himself for our sins that he might deliver or rescue us from this present evil world. And the world word is ion, which means age. It's an evil age. Okay. So we should not be surprised when the news and other media tell us about all the evils going on in the world. It should not shock us. It's an evil age. Um, and it's been evil. Since man sinned in the garden, since Adam sinned, it's been evil since then. And it will continue to be evil 
if you know if you look at the scriptures, it will continue to be evil until God deals with it at the end of the world. Okay. There's a prince of this age the scriptures speak about, and then there's a wisdom of this age. All these things, all these things we should not be surprised about. Okay. Um, in Ephesians chapter six, you're familiar with this. I do not really need to know from a podcast that there's evil going on around me uh, and severe evil. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. We'll come back to Ephesians later, but it says here in verse 13, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. This is an evil day. The way, the day of the wicked is translated. It's a day, a time period of wickedness. Okay. And so I don't, you know, I should not be surprised when people are always talking about some, discovering some new conspiracy in the financial world or in the medical world or in, you know, what you name it. I should not be surprised because, yeah, it's an evil age. And yet I find people are so much, still very much shocked by the things going on in the world. Uh, I think, I, I think I, honestly, I, very little shocks me anymore. Very little surprises me because the word of God tells me it's an evil age. It's an evil, evil age. So um, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Remember, these words were written more than a thousand years ago. And in Ecclesiastes, even more than that. So Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Verse 1 says, So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. Okay? All the oppressions. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power, but they had no comforter. See, So he looked at all the evil done under the sun. There was oppression. Well, should we be surprised that there was oppression at all the, and the evil going? No. And sometimes people have, you know, people without God have no help for that, for that oppression. In Ecclesiastes chapter 5, it says in verse 8, 5.8 says, If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked at the, at the perversion of justice, the oppression of poor, innocent people. Don't be su surprised by it. For he that is higher than the highest regard is, and that's referring to God, and there be higher than they. God knows what's going on even more than we do. Okay, so we should not be shocked by the evils going on in the world because we live in an evil, evil age, an evil day. It's a day of the wicked. And go to Revelation chapter 12.
And that's when I, when I said I was going to talk about our times, this is what I mean. Our time and the time that's been since Adam sinned, it's been a time just like this. It's been an evil age. Um, in Revelation 12, verse 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the liberals of the world, which deceives the Democrats of the world, which deceives the left of the world, which deceives, no, it says the whole world. Okay, He deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. The adversaries out there to deceive and the information that we get from the world, there is deception in it. And it doesn't matter which side it comes from, there's deception in it. We may have certain political views, we may have certain moral views or views of the world, and some people may share some of those views, but inside, embedded in that, is deception. Deception for all the world. So therefore, when I hear information from the world, I might my radar is always on, like, okay, is there deception going on here? Yeah. Because God's word tells me that he deceives the whole world. And he's been at it, and he's very good at it. And being deceived, one of the things about being deceived is that you don't know it. You're so convinced that the inf- what you're seeing is not as true, and you don't know it. And the adversary's been doing that a long time. And I wanted to handle two two interesting ways that he does this deception uh, because I believe that um, it's, a, it's some of the things that we get caught up in. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, back to Ecclesiastes, two areas, I should say. There's lots of ways he deceives, and this is by no means conclu- conclusive or uh, But I've seen this happen many times. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Oh, before I get to that, but let's just look at verse 7 here. It says, surely oppression makes a wise man mad. Those of us who are righteous, born again ones, listening and seeing oppression and what's going on and the perversion of justice, it drives us batty. Okay? Because our nature is to want to be like you know God and take care of God's people and be and be a blessing, but when we see it, it just drives us nuts. That's why I was losing my peace. The injustice was driving me crazy, and a gift destroys the heart. And then if you go down uh, in verse ten, it says, "Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this." This idea of the world of the good old days, uh, we in the older generation generally tend to get caught up. And the younger people don't think of them that much. But the older people, we tend to think, oh, times were better before. They've just gotten worse now. Okay, When we think, well, why were the back then? Why were they good old days? And what's gotten worse? And it says if you do that inquiry, you're not being wise. Okay, You're not being scripturally smart about that. And and this is very hard for people to receive because, you know what, our experience doesn't always line up with the Word of God. We think, well, wait, I can think of lots of things that were better back in the day. Okay? And so we generally tend, whenever our experience doesn't line up with God's Word, we generally tend to dismiss God's Word 
rather than our experience or try to understand what God's word is talking about. Okay. But it's, it's the truth of the scriptures that there were no such a thing as the good old days. Okay. Because it's been an evil age from day since Adam sinned. All right. If you go to Ecclesiastes chapter one, I'll show you one of the reasons there, that, that there was no such a thing as the good old days. Or we think there were such a thing as a good old days. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 11, it says, There is no remembrance of former things. Neither shall there be any remembrance of things that are to come with those that shall come after. Now, that doesn't mean, okay, we, oh yeah, we, well, you can say, well, hey, wait a minute, I could read history. I remember, you know, some things are written down. This is not what it's talking about, okay? In terms of this age, what it's talking about, people forget. They have very selective memory. They forget all the things. They don't know everything that was going on in a previous age. Okay. We don't know everything that was going on, and people forget what's going on at this time. So pick a time period in history and spend some time thinking about it and, you, and ask yourself, would I rather live in that time period or would I rather live now? Okay. There is no such a thing as the good old days, and our memory can play tricks on us. But what we should always remember is that, yes, it's been an evil age, but God has always been good. God has always been good, always interested in our deliverance. If you go to Numbers chapter 11, Numbers 11. I, after understanding these truths from the scriptures, I, I re rarely will talk about the good old days or think about the back. Back, back in the day. I'm so glad where I am now because I'm a day closer, a moment closer to the return of Christ, right? Now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. Why would I want to go back and live in, uh, you know, even 10 years ago, even, even five years ago or 15 years ago when the salvation was further away? In Numbers 11, chapter 4, here are some people talking about the good old days. Numbers 11, verse 4, and the mixed multitude, this is the children of Israel, they're in the wilderness now, they've been delivered from Egypt, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a-lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again and said, who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish, oh, remember the good old days back in Egypt? We remember the fresh fish which we did in Egypt, which we did eat in Egypt freely, oh yeah. Freely we ate the fish, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Oh man, those were the good old days. But now our soul is dried away and there is nothing at all besides this manna, which God had given them every single day. And they despised what God had given them, thinking back to the good old days of Egypt. And then look at Exodus 1.13. That was their remembrance. That was their remembrance of Egypt. And this hadn't been that many years. In Exodus chapter 1, what do we read here? These are the same people, by the way. In verse 13, it says, And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage. In mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field, all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Okay. And in chapter 2, 
verse 23. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried, and their cry came up to God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. See, they were in bondage. This was, this was what was happening. And they finally did the right thing, though. They cried unto God. They looked to God, and God delivered them. But you see how it's just a few years later, I don't know how long, exactly how long was that record in Numbers. Uh, I haven't studied it in a while, but I, it wasn't that long, and they were thinking back to the good old days. So the point being here. This is an evil age, and we should just accept that fact. And to consider the evil that's going on around us and become focused on it like it's all of a sudden worse than it's been is not going to be profitable for us. It's not going to end up helping us in any way whatsoever. So that's one delusional thing, uh, that the deceiving thing that the adversary does. He makes us think the better times were better back then. And if only we could live back then. Well, how far do you want to go back to, you know, if you want to go back to the, to the dark ages when there was not a lot of light of God's word? Is COVID worse than the bubonic plague? How about, do you want to live the time before penicillin was invented? I mean, I mean, how many might have died, of us have died without penicillin? So you see, there, it's been an evil age. There's been certainly good things and bad things of time periods. But overall, the character of the age which we lived in in the past, which we live in now, is evil. Okay, uh, That's the reality of the scriptures, and God's word does not exhort any believer to try to make this world a better place. Okay. In fact, Jesus Christ is going to take us out of this world. Okay. Uh, so, the other, other one is where people think that each day becomes worse and worse and worse and worse. Okay, that's another reality, another thinking that deceives many, and especially many Christians, because they misunderstand many of the scriptures. They think each day that we live just gets worse and worse and worse. And, and perhaps one of the places they pick this up from is 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I want, I want to help you to understand that so you're not, you're not confused by this reality. 1 Timothy Chapter 4. You know, there was a time period in my life, I think it was more than 20, 25 years, I never listened to the news at all. And you know what? I'm still here, living and alive. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Here's a verse that sometimes people think that means that times are getting worse and worse and worse. And verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly or clearly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which thank, with, to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. And so here's, they take this verse to say, well, the latter time, that's what we're getting. As we get closer to the end of the world, things are getting worse and worse and worse. That is not what this verse is talking about. Okay. 
if you go to Acts chapter 20, we'll come back to uh, Timothy in a second, but we'll go to Acts chapter 20. If you know about the book of Timothy, Timothy was sent by Paul to go to Ephesus. And the first charge that Paul gives to Timothy in, uh, when he's in, in the book of Timothy is, make sure nobody's teaching another doctrine. Okay. And he said, I sent you to Ephesus. And in Acts 20, Paul calls the Ephesian elders together, it says in verse 17. And from Miletus, he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And then he gives them a lot of teaching and information about how he had ministered there in Ephesus. And then in verse 28, he says, verse 27, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Okay. Also of your own selves, of your own selves, from you, those you leaders, okay, shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn every one of you night and day day with tears. So when we get to Timothy, what Paul, let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. What is 1 Timothy 4 verse 1? So when when we read here, now the Spirit speaks expressly, clearly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Remember, they were in the faith. They were believers believing God's word, but they departed from it, okay? It's talking about the situation that occurs when people depart from the truth, okay? Uh, Throughout the history of the world, throughout the history of the Christian church, you've seen great revivals of truth, and you've seen people turn away from the truth. It's happened over and over again cyclically, just like it did with Israel in the book of Judges. You see People come out of captivity, people go back into captivity, people come into, you know, back and forth, these cyclical things that have occurred. And this is talking about a time period when people depart from the truth of God's word. Okay, It's not talking about as we approach the end of the age. In fact, the scriptures teach exactly the opposite. And after the gathering together, when, when we've gone, it says that the world is going to think they have arrived at peace and safety without God. They're going to think everything is wonderful. It's exactly going to be the opposite uh, of, of what men think are going to happen before the end of the world. So this is what this is talking about. It's talking about a departure from the truth. As people depart from the truth, their lives get worse. They get teachers teaching them corrupt things, you know, putting them on, into the bondage of the law and so forth like they did you know, in, during the Dark Ages. In, chapter, in 2 Timothy... And I'll show you clearly how this cannot be referring to the time. Remember, this was written more than about more than a thousand years ago. Okay. In First Timothy, I mean Second Timothy, chapter four, Paul says, "I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who shall judge the living and the dead, the quick and the dead, at the hedges, his peering and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. This is what you need to do, Timothy. Preach the word. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Okay. Um, now hang on, I read the wrong section. I want to go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Okay, here we go. Verse 3, sorry. That's also good. Verse 1. This know also that in the last days, that's what I wanted to read about, perilous times shall come. Again, people take this to mean as the last days of the world. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power they are from such what? Turn away. So if this is talking about the end of the world, where's Timothy now to turn away from these things? Okay. It's talking about what happens in, in a movement of God when people turn away from the truth. And if you know 2 Timothy, Paul said, all they in Asia have turned away from me. When a departure from the truth occurs, these are the kind of things that take place. Okay. And we've seen it, you know. So the bigger issue is not the evil uh, going on around us, it's the departure from the truth. And that's why we have to so fight to keep ourselves in God's word. So cont continue to maintain the truth in our lives. In Ephesians chapter 5, so what is the, what is the, what should we do? What should we do about these things? So having understood that there is a deception going on, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of information that we live in an evil age, and that as and when we consider those things, we're going to be getting tossed to and fro. Uh, there's a great exhortation in God's word, and that's what we just want to look at here. First Timothy, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter five. It says in verse eleven. It says. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Okay, Don't share in those things. And, you know, one of the ways I can share in those things is by constantly considering them, you know, by listening to them, by reading about these dark things that are occurring on. I can have fellowship with those. It says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. And this is written to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So don't even have discussions about that stuff. All that evil that's being done, don't even talk about it. But then it says, but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest, bring it out into the open is light. Wherefore, he saith, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Okay, that's who we want to go for. to Christ is who we want to understand Know and understand who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us. That's where we get our light and our information that we need. So then it says in verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, wisely. OK, 
okay, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are what? Evil, okay? So redeeming the time. So then in order to do that, it tells you what to do instead. Verse 17, wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Okay. So instead of trying to find out what's going on and learn more about the evil in the world and all those things that are going on, the darkness that is there, I should say, it says to redeem the time, okay, and understand what the will of the Lord is, right? To let Christ shine in my life, okay, and understand what the will of the Lord is for me. That is what God's word exhorts us to do. And let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 2. And that's a much more joyful, because God is not, you know, the, the noise out there, the information of the world, it may be accurate and it may not be. Uh, it, could, it could have some benefit to me and then it may not. But I do know, that 100% of the time, going to the pure word of God is going to be profitable for me. Because God's words are pure. You know, they're 100% pure, purified as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Taking the time to understand and know the will of God is going to be profitable for me 100% of the time. Paying attention to some news article or podcast or whatever may, may or may not benefit me. In fact, I may get deceived by it. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, when it comes to, you know, one of the reasons people want to listen to news is to find out what's going on politically so they can, you know, maybe vote for the right person or whatever, make decisions. And I understand that we have responsibilities like that. But here it says in verse chapter 2 of Timothy, I verse 1, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. When it comes to the politicians or those people in authority, whether whoever they be may be, God's word is that we pray for them. And in prayer, we're to be make supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Giving of thanks for these people. Okay. And the reason we do this is it says that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We don't do it so we, we, so we know that the right people. Notice it doesn't say we pray so that the right people may be in power. It doesn't say we pray that uh, you know all the, every 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 decision that's made is pri- proper for us. It says so that we may lead and lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this, it says, is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Okay, doing this, doing this, praying for these people in authority is good in the sight, good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. See, buried in that prayer request is God's great desire for all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. If I'm focusing on, you know, how bad my political situation is, what's going on around me, I'm not thinking about those people who need to hear the truth of God's word. I'm not thinking about them, I'm thinking about me. 
they need to hear the truth of God's word and become to it. This is God's great desire, his will. All men saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Then verse 5, for there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, whereunto I'm ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. And the words without wrath and doubting are, are, are translated without anger or quarreling, you know. And there is no, you know, the field of politics, for example, is rife with quarreling and, 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 and strife and anger and all that stuff. But for us, it again says to pray about these things. Give ourselves to prayer on the, uh, concerning the situations, the people that are in authority. Okay. Um, you know, again, recall that this Timothy here was written when you didn't have a vote. Okay. Kings were in authority, right? Nero was, I think, the emperor at this time, and he had a wonderful resume as you might know, okay? And yet, giving of thanks, praying for these situations is what is what is encouraged. We're going to finish off in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6. Now, it just seems like too simplistic a solution, you know? Pray for your country and pray for your people. Pray for those in leadership. No God's will. It just seems too simplistic, Robbie. There's, you know, surely there's other things that need to be done. Well, Timothy's promise is it's it's God's God's responsibility so that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life and all you know godless honesty. How He works that out is not up to me. My responsibility, God tells me, is to pray. So I can either believe what God tells me to do, or I can say, well, that doesn't fit with my experience or my situation, so therefore I need to do something else. You know, Daniel, perhaps one of the greatest situations where you can look at how prayer, people walking on God's word and spending time in prayer had an impact on a nation. The book of Daniel is a great example of that. And you guys all know the records in the book of Daniel. Uh, you know, Daniel was persecuted, and it says those that live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There's going to be times we might have to face that. It's not going to be always pies and cakes, you know. There's going to be challenges in life, but our answer is always to go to God, who's the God of deliverance. And you know the record in Daniel chapter 6, where Daniel was cast to the lion's den, and, um, and he got delivered by God. But as an end result of that, and he was cast in because he was praying, praying, you know. A terrible thing that he was doing. He was praying to his God. And he was put into the lion's den. And then once he gets delivered, it says in verse 25, Then King Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and steadfast forever, and his kingdom that which shall not 
and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and earth who had delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Okay, but furthermore, if you really, if you know the record, Daniel also prospered during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, his son, who were Chaldeans. And another empire came in, the Median Empire. And then Cyrus the Persian came in, yet another empire. And all, all those, and all, throughout all those different kings that came in, which Daniel didn't vote for a single one of them, okay, he prospered. Because he looked to God and he prayed to God. He was a man of prayer, as we like to sing. And that's all he, that's Daniel what he did. He st stood on God's word and he prospered despite the oppression of his people. He, remember, he was a slave taken to Babylon. Okay. He didn't have free, he didn't have freedom, but he was taken there and God made sure that he prospered. So you see, if we can focus on the times, we can focus on the things going on, we can be deluded into thinking things are getting worse and worse, but really, it's been an evil age since day one. And we have God's, the light of God's wonderful word that we can focus on and understand what the will of the Lord is. And then we can be interested in bringing deliverance to those people who would have, God would have all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And that, I would venture to say, is going to be far more profitable than paying attention to all that noise going on in the world. And when we have challenges, we also can recognize that our God is a God of deliverance. Okay? And he can change situations dramatically. If Daniel had cratered and said, Ah, my prayer is not going to do much. I, I have no power in this kingdom. I'm a captive. If Dan Daniel had cratered, perhaps we wouldn't have all these wonderful, glorious records to look at and, and admire in, in a man who walked with God. So let's... Let's take the time to look to God in these situations rather than look at the noise that's going on around us. So, Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful word. What a delivering word it is, Father. Thank you how you extend grace and peace to us, whereas the world is only darkness. Thank you that you've rescued us from this evil age through the work of our, your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank you that we can walk in the liberty that is in Christ, not in the liberty of our, our lack of liberty of the institutions, but what is in Christ. Thank you, Father, for blessing us with such tremendous blessings and putting us into the kingdom of your beloved Son and rescuing us from this evil age. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.